Hello, my name is Wang Yan, and I am a reporter with News China. With our weekly News China podcast, we aim to give insight into the trends and happenings in modern China through a historical lens. Today, we discuss masculinity education in China. Weak, timid, low in self-esteem, dependent, no appetite for exploration or adventure. This is how some of China's lawmakers are describing today's Chinese teenage boys. During the annual two sessions in March 2020 and 2021, legislators and political advisers raised concerns about the feminization of teenage boys, which garnered lots of media and public attention. The Ministry of Education has since pledged to foster masculinity among male students through physical education. The lawmaker's proposal is partially in response to changing views of masculinity in mainstream culture during a time when slim, makeup-wearing male pop stars dominate TV screens and music stages. While these pop idols have already triggered criticism against their influence on teenage fans, the recent proposals rekindled the controversy. Some supported the proposals, saying that lack of masculinity among boys would undermine the younger generation's ability to take responsibility for their families and society. Others called the proposals derogatory against women, arguing that children should be taught to be kind, brave, and independent regardless of gender. What has defined masculinity throughout Chinese history? A quick look, and it's easy to see the concept has been fluid and depends on the period. Hundreds of years before the Qing Dynasty began in the third century BCE, the aristocracy dominated governance and society. Worship and war were the two most important endeavors of a state. So. The aristocracy was expected to be adept at both following protocol at rites and fighting on battlefields. During the Qing and its successor, the Western Han, the lowering classes gained power. They behaved quite differently from the refined aristocracy. The terracotta warriors are an example of this change. Burly and majestic, they have the faces of battle-hardened fighters. Not sheltered aristocrats. Liu Bang, the founder of the Western Han, was a minor official for the Qing before leading a successful rebellion against it. His generals and rivals were also from the lower classes and received little formal education. At imperial banquets, they drank a lot and competed to claim credit for contributions to the new dynasty. They would even hack through pillars in the palace with their swords on a whim. Liu Bang was unhappy about this. One of his officials, a Confucian scholar named Shu Sun Tong, set up court protocols based on Confucian standards. Everyone followed the protocols. Liu Bang was pleased and said, "Today, I feel what an honor it is to be an emperor." The Han Dynasty eventually fell, and the empire divided into three rivaling kingdoms: 
the Shu, Wei, and Wu, each of which produced their own heroes. Chen Shou, a historian during the period, described several of these figures as tall and upright, including strategist Zhuge Liang and Zhao Yu, one of the bravest generals. But there was also appreciation for looks and temperament. For example, Guan Yu, a loyal and valiant general of the Shu kingdom, has been worshipped as a god of war and wealth in China ever since. He is known for his ruddy face and long, lush beard. Researchers believe that the elites of this period began to define masculinity as a combination of good looks and decent manners. Then tastes changed. He Yan is an example. He was the stepson of Cao Cao, founder of the Wei Kingdom in the early 3rd century, the strongest of the three kingdoms. He Yan was a well-known scholar of the works of Confucius and Lao Tzu. He was also one of the most eloquent speakers of his time. He was very particular about his appearance. He would refine his skin while in front of a mirror. He would take face powder and silk handkerchief wherever he went. He even liked to wear women's dresses. For the next few hundred years, officials and scholars paid much attention to their beauty, just like He Yan. Many men who were also known for their beauty and talent also admired He Yan. For example, Du Yi, with creamy skin and bright black eyes, was described by famed calligrapher Wang Xizhi as like a beautiful fairy. Another is Han Zigao, a high-ranking general during the 6th century. According to historical records, Han was so beautiful that even his enemies would hesitate to kill him on the battlefield. He was very brave and contributed to the Chen Dynasty, a 6th century state in what is now southeast China. Men of the aristocracy in this period obsessed in debate over abstruse philosophical questions as a way to remove themselves from the real world of politics. Political scholars partially cite this trend for the chaos of the period. When short-lived regimes were busy fighting one another, providing northern tribes with opportunities to invade, but scholars of the humanities generally focus on its contributions. Zong Baihua, a prestigious Chinese philosopher and aesthetics expert in the early 20th century, praised their aesthetics of personality. The Tang Dynasty, which began in the early 7th century, was a relatively open society. Elements of exotic cultures, especially Persia, were integrated into Chinese civilization. The image and disposition of men in this era also changed. Tang poetry provides clues as to the dynasty's ideal image of masculinity. A typical example comes from Wang Wei's four poems about a group of young, chivalrous swordmen who gathered to share their ambitions over drinks. Then they joined the army to protect the imperial capital, and went to battle far away to defend the country. Their victories made them generals. In another poem, Li Bai, also a great Tang poet, described a similar group of chivalrous swordsmen who reject wealth and rank, 
preferring to live far removed from society after returning from the battlefield. But the imperial exam that started in the early 7th century during the Tang Dynasty's predecessor, the Sui, was changing this. By the Northern Song Dynasty in the 10th century, passing the exam to become a civil servant was the best path to success for men. Wang Zhi, a Song official and scholar between the end of the 11th century and early 12th century, wrote a story about it. Han Qi was the leader of Dingzhou in today's Hebei province, a border city in the northern Song. Di Qing, a famous general, led the local army. One day, Di Qing's former subordinate, Jiao Yong, dropped by. Di invited Jiao to have a dinner. But Jiao's soldiers complained to Han about Jiao, accusing him of withholding their salaries and food rations. Han arrested Jiao immediately. Di Qing rushed to plead for a lighter sentence for Jiao. He told Han, Jiao Yong performed very well on the battlefield. He is a very good boy. But Han replied coldly that good military service meant nothing, and only passing the imperial exams made good boys. Di Qing was speechless. This story is apocryphal as it is not in official records, but it is true that since Northern Song, studying the Confucian classics for the imperial exam was much more respected than studying martial arts. Di Qing, one of the most successful generals of the Northern Song, was despised by civil officials. His emperor wanted to promote him to be the top official for military affairs but the decision was blocked by civil officials because the position was always held by civil officials, not generals in the army. This social and political discrimination against military skills and services made the Northern Song and the Southern Song, those drawing culture and wealth, weak in military power. But this does not mean that men were no longer masculine. Some of the best generals since Song were scholars and literati. Wen Tianxiang, a champion of the imperial exam at the end of the Southern Song in the 13th century, died fighting against the invading Yuan army. Shi Kefa, a scholar at the end of the Ming, led a local army to defend the city of Yangzhou against an attacking Manchu army. He was killed after he was captured and refused to surrender. Both Wen and Shi were respected even by their enemies. Zeng Guofan, a well-known scholar in the 19th century, organized, trained, and led one of the strongest armies of the Qing, China's last imperial dynasty. In Chinese, masculinity is Yang Gang. In ancient Chinese philosophy, Nature is represented by two elements, yin and yang. Gang or rigid and rou or soft are another pair of the concepts. Yin and yang make up the heavens, rou and gang make up the earth, and benevolence and righteousness make up humans. Each pair is two sides of the same corn. They do not oppose each other.
but make our world complete. That is end of our podcast. Thank you to our writer Dr. Zhang Yue, editor and translator Li Jia, and copy editor JT. We hope you enjoyed it, and thank you for listening. See you next week.